Hello, welcome to the Tuesday, October 25th, 2016 edition of the Sands and Storm Center's Stormcast. My name is Johannes Ulrich and today I'm recording from Jacksonville, Florida. Just a very quick update on the Mirai botnet. No new denial of service attacks that I have heard of, but still the botnet overall is very active scanning for new victims. We have seen a slight drop in the scanning, but really nothing sort of to be too excited about, but probably some of the countermeasures are taking effect. Like for example, I don't see any of the command control domain names that are still resolving for this botnet. And also as a reminder, while the DVR servers of the big news item here, this botnet certainly has the capability to infect other systems as well. There is, aside from the ARM7 um, payload, there's also a MIPS and a PowerPC payload. Particularly the PowerPC payload is sort of targeting than uh, Cisco devices. And for example, for Cisco device, it's trying sort of a default enable password of enable. However, it's probably less likely to succeed here. But the big problem with these DVRs remains that you can't change the default password. And then we got updates from Apple for iOS and Mac OS Sierra. It fixes a number of security vulnerabilities. The more interesting ones here are first of all, a vulnerability in core graphics. A malicious JPEG could be used to execute arbitrary code. Of course, this could, for example, be exploited via more or less any software that displays JPEGs. And now, another vulnerability I think was already patched in the past. I remember something very similar with FaceTime. The problem here is that a man in the middle on a FaceTime call may be able to trick your FaceTime instance in believing that the call ended if in fact, you actually are still on the call. So the effect here would be that the remote side is able to listen in on your system, but you think you hung up on that call. Of course, in order to exploit this vulnerability, the attacker not only has to have a man in the middle position, but you also first have to willingly establish the call. And then the only problem is that when you hang up, you actually don't hang up. So apply these patches as soon as possible. I think in particular the JPEG vulnerability could be exploited here. And then we also have remote code execution vulnerabilities in WebKit, of course. One odd thing is that I still don't see a security update for the last version of OS X for Yosemite or El Capitan. There is a new version of Safari that was released today, but nothing else. And it's very likely that the vulnerabilities that have been fixed in macOS Sierra today also affect these older operating systems. And at the RuxCon conference, Chinese researcher Wang Zhao Zhang uh, did demonstrate attacks against the LTE network. That at least reminded me somewhat of similar attacks against uh, older 3G networks. The problem here is a malicious base station. And typically in these networks, uh, the phone doesn't really uh, 
doesn't really care what uh, base station it connects to. The authentication really just uh, serves uh, billing purposes where the telco cares what phone connects to itself. So really only the phone is authenticated, not the base station. This leads to problems where phones will not just connect to malicious base stations accidentally, but malicious base stations actually can send messages to the phone that causes it to disconnect from the legitimate base station and then switch over to the malicious one. And this access then of course can be used to intercept calls and even make calls on behalf of the user connected to the malicious base station. There is now also open source software that implements uh, these attacks and at least implements uh, base station. It's called OpenLTE, of course. You do need a software-defined radio that supports uh, the necessary frequencies, but typically those can be had for a couple of hundred dollars. And you may have heard of the Rowhammer exploit. It's something that researchers at Google originally discovered. And essentially it's, uh, well, one of those weird hardware exploits where what you do is you keep flipping certain bits in memory that you have access to as a regular user. And due to the ever shrinking size of memory, there is a good chance that you'll actually flip adjacent rows in memory as well, which of course contain memory that may be owned by a different user, including root. Now, this exploit has been demonstrated in the past, but against servers and the like, but now there's actually a working exploit for this against Android phones. In order to launch the exploit, all you need is an application that does know how to stimulate the right area of memory, and this can then be used to jailbreak the phone. The proof of concept exploit is called Trammer, and the sad part, of course, is that this is really difficult to fix with software. This is really something that requires a different type of memory or at least different ways to access that memory. The researchers who developed Trammer did test a number of different phones and were reasonably successful with most of them. Now, for many of the phones, they only had one or two samples available. But for example, for the LG Nexus 5, they had 15 phones available, 12 of which turned out to be vulnerable. Well, that's it for today. So thanks again for listening and talk to you again tomorrow. Bye.